Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. I'm Stephen Allen and reviewing the papers we have two comedians who very much like the Queen don't carry cash but it's more due to an availability issue. Uh, it's Dana Alexander and Josh Howie. Hello. Hello. The, I mean actually these days contactless come on. You're, no one's still doing cash are we? I mean in certain situations when you're really in a press you know what I mean. Cash. I well of course you do sometimes you forget your card at home and you gotta use some cash. Emotions. Anyway, um... Is it like you know anything about that? <laughs> Interesting gear change. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I just want to say that, because um, last night there was like, uh, it was like three people who were on the left-ish. I would sort of classify myself as uh, you know, left of centre. Yeah. Uh, obviously Dana is like this sort of Antifa, anti-white extremist. And uh, you're left wing. So what I thought was tonight, because I don't want this, the whole show is not meant to be, the whole point is it's not an echo chamber. This isn't the BBC. Yeah. So I thought tonight I would sort of, I'd become conservative just to sort of do the balancing thing. If that's okay with you guys, I put on a shirt on the way in. I paid my taxes and, um, you know. How much did you pay? So I was Boris's. Really great. Brexit was brilliant. You really should have registered offshore and paid less tax. You're not doing... Oh, I've got so much to learn. Yeah. Anyway, so, yes, I'm, that's, I'm going to be more balanced. We look forward to it. Uh, right, let's move on to take a look at the front pages. We start with the Daily Mail, first of all. Amid backlash over Governor's claim he's helpless to stem inflation, his staff only have to go to the office one day a week. So that's why the Bank of England is helpless, is their headline. Possibly confusing correlation with causation. Uh, the Telegraph has Tory MP held on suspicion of rape and the story ministers warm to wildly popular energy windfall tax. More on that as the show goes on. The front page of The Guardian, Sunak faces Tory clamour to act now on cost of living. And they have a picture of the Queen. Ticket to ride. Uh, Queen opens rail line with her name on it. Uh, which must make her feel better after having to open the Victoria one back in the 60s. That was just rubbing it in. For the Financial Times, lowest unemployment in half a century stokes inflation pressure is their main story. Front page of the Mirror, Tory MP rape arrest. Uh, cops quiz Conservative accused of string of sex offences over seven years. To the Times, Queen of Motown to perform at Platinum um, ju uh, Jubilee concert. And Sunak plans heating... Bill discount. Uh, we can go to the Daily Express next. Police arrest Tory MP over rape and sex offences is their main story. To the Sun, they have Wazatha, which is a level of pun that I'm brutally honest I don't get. Uh, the front page of the Metro, Tory MP is arrested for rape and they then finally, the Daily Star. UFOs are real. There we go. I've proved it because it's on the front page of the Star. And those are your front pages. Lots of news to be getting through then. Josh, Wednesday's Guardian has early details of this troubling story from Westminster. Yeah, I mean, you know when I said I was going to be a Tory, that I'm going to do it after this story. Um, yeah, Tory MP arrested on suspicion of rape, uh, banned from Commons. Uh, obviously, we can't, we don't know who it is. 
I'm imagining it's not going to be that hard to find out. You just sort of see who doesn't go in, maybe. Uh, and uh, this, this is actually, uh, look, when these accusations, well, or th this is more than an accusation, this person's been arrested. So this has been a two-year investigation into this. Um, obviously, there are legal reasons about what we can't, what can't be said, I imagine. Um, and um, there are moral implications until this person is actually found guilty. But uh, this ain't looking good for the Tories. Uh, you know, not when you had uh, Imran Aman Khan. Uh, he was the MP for Wakefield. He was convicted of sexually assaulting a 15-year-old boy pretty recently. You had their Tiverton MP uh, admitted watching pornography in the House of Commons. And now you have a Tory MP, uh, a man aged in his 50s, which really narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure we'll find out more as that story continues to break. Uh, Dana, Wednesday's Mirror brings good news if you're a huge energy company, which sadly I am not. Yeah, so if Tories have voted down gas giant's windfall tax that could hand your family £600. So Chancellor Rishi Sunak hinted that the government could perform a U-turn in the future. However, as he said, no option is off the table. The motion was actually rejected. 310 votes to 248. And I think that's really sad when we consider you know, the uh, the profit margins in this last quarter. And at the end of the day, I think it comes down to, I think the government put a lot of faith in these companies to reinvest in these industries. But where's the guarantee? And I think perhaps if that reinvestment doesn't happen, we may, we may actually see that uh, windfall tax come into place because there's not really going to be a choice, I don't think. Mm. Josh, is this the best of both worlds, that they managed to not pass it but also promise it so you can avoid some of the stigma of not passing it? Well, basically, they've just totally blackmailed the cover. That's what Rishi Sunak's doing. He's saying no option is off the table, but only if the gas giants uh, and oil gas giants don't invest their profits back into growth, job and energy security. So either they, they do it or there's a big tax windfall and then then the government's going to do it. But I I feel like, as a, as a Tory, they're, they're missing a bit of a trick here. Seriously, like, they should be... I think it's going to pass anyway at some point, and it's going to make the Tories look bad. Like, they should have got ahead of this and said, OK, look, we are doing something. Because that money's going to... Look, that money's going to be spent either way. They've, he said it himself. Either they put that, that money into investment or the government's going to take it and put it into investment. I think they're just waiting to see how, you know, how serious people are about kicking off about this uh, cost of living crisis. I think if they see a little bit of an uproar, they may have to make things well, change. They should have done it so they should have got ahead of it because it's only going to make them look bad that Labour have been ahead of this on them. And, and uh, I think it's a mistake. Wouldn't it be good PR for the companies to do it? Because the last time I checked, you know, they, they ask for a certain amount of tax, HMRC, but they don't think they complain if you overpay. Like, the companies could say, due to this windfall profit, due to the profit that it's not through extra work, we will give some of that money, and that means it's not been passed. <laughs> but then, then they wouldn't be trapped by having to do it. They could have better PR from it. They could, but I don't think they're thinking like that. And I don't. I think at this point, they're really excited about how high these prices are and they're going to well, cash in while they can. I was going to say how, how high these prices were because right today, the wholesale price uh, per firm is 38p for gas. Uh, in February, it's 550p. So it's already gone down massively, but bills are up 54% for gas um, and uh, they've doubled their prices 93%. So the uh, advice is put your heating on in late spring when there are temperatures of 27 yeah. degrees. Don't do it in February. Well, and it's not, not just that. With petrol, they didn't pass on the 5p um, cut there. They, you know, they, they, the fuel duty cut, they didn't pass that on. 
it's you know they're just they're making money. It's interesting because I'm which from which is a, their job. I get it. I'm, but I, 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 I do follow. Sorry. sorry, I do follow your point from before. I come from a pretty oil-rich province, Alberta, and I do recall um, the government actually giving every Albertan a rebate of like four hundred dollars when we hit you know some oil records when it came to profits. So. And that was from a Tory government, so it is possible. Or maybe I'm just not destined to be one of those uh, bosses of industry. Who'd have thought? Maybe <laughs> I've got no idea what I'm talking about. Dress the part, mate. Yeah. Uh, to Wednesday's Daily Mail. And, uh, Dana, the cost of living crisis must be bad because the Queen was topping up an oyster card. One doesn't carry cash. The Queen, 96. They just love to just keep telling you how old she is. We know she's 96. Anyway, she's been shown how to top up an oyster card during a surprise visit to Paddington Station to open the Elizabeth line with Prince Edward after struggling with mobility issues. So yay, she has a train named after herself. I think what would be really exciting is if she could take the train with the rest of us and you know, <laughs> see what's really going to go down on your line. Well, it's one of the perks of being the queen, I imagine. I mean, she's got mobility issues. The last thing she needs to do is use TFL and make it worse. Well, yeah, I mean, but the, the, so she got this Oyster card. It's like a special limited edition one. And it was, it was already topped up. It had five pounds on it. And that is enough to take her one stop. <laughs> do you know what would be crazy, though, when your face is on the money? Like, do you think she shudders, shudders sometimes when she sees her face just like, oh, remember it, when I didn't have a jowl? Well, they're, oh, exactly, they're not updated. Give me an older coin. It's like comedians <laughs> with their headshots that were done in the early yeah. 2000s. It's the same thing. I look pretty good. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm keeping you should have seen my dreadlocks. They were pretty cool. Did you have dreadlocks? <laughs> oh, my God. I, big... I had a bob. <laughs> Oh, we can move on to the Times now, Josh. Unemployment is low, but it's an economic story, so I'm sure you're about to tell us why it's a bad thing. Well, it's it's this is the first ever where there are um, this for the first time ever, like since records began, there are more job vacancies than unemployed people, which is kind of an amazing thing. Now, uh, I don't want to generalise too much, but I would say Labour would say that a lot of these jobs are crappy jobs or bad jobs. I don't know if I want to say anyway not good jobs, and Conservative, which I am for tonight, would say they're just a bunch of lazy workers who don't want to get out there and, and, and earn a living. Probably the, the honest answer is probably something a little bit in the middle. But this is, well, I mean, there are badly paid jobs out there, but I think the point is a lot of these jobs don't, they may be available, but do they pay a living? Mm. Now, the expression to earn a living is it's not to earn a surviving. You know what I mean? Like you wanna you wanna earn enough where you can pay your mortgage or pay your accommodation, pay for your family, pay for food, and maybe even have a tiny bit left to actually enjoy life. That's living. Just earning and working every hour that's sent just to survive, that isn't necessarily a good thing that we should be I think people to are picking society. up second jobs because they can't make it. Second meet. jobs or third jobs. Yeah. But it you're right about the, the, the living thing. Surely this is market forces, though. If you want to take that right-wing point of view, market forces should mean if you can't hire someone, you have to pay more. Mm -hmm. That would be a market crash. If you can afford yeah. it. But the, And if you can't afford to run a business without managing to pay people under a certain level, you, maybe you shouldn't be a business. Yeah, well, we saw so many businesses go under precisely because of that during this lockdown, didn't we? Yeah? You thought of taking other jobs? Um, no. I mean, I took this job. <laughs> oh, no one is offering. <laughs> Let's move on now to... Uh, You're really laughing at that joke, David. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
data to the mirror, Wednesday's mirror, uh, tells me that I could taser someone if I if I were particularly into that. What would I have to oh do? Oh my gosh. So let's just talk. So volunteer special constables will be allowed to use tasers for the first time. Let's talk I'm about- I'm joining tomorrow. <laughs> let's talk I've about always wanted to do it. What what Karen is joining to be a volunteer oh, constable? That's a, that's, racist, that's a racist word. Is it really? Yeah, you can't use the word Karen anymore. Yes, I can. No, you need not even if someone's I, I, called I can, can and you? I will. Oh, All right. Yes, well, racist, I don't know. Okay. Please. <laughs> make a complaint. <laughs> but anyways, the Independent Office of Police Conduct, IOPC, has previously noted that black people are more likely to be tasered for prolonged periods of time than white people. And I bet you they are also less likely to want to be volunteer special constables as well. But we need to get in there. Okay, well... Let's start talking about. It. I mean, that's quite an interesting idea, though. That 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 that. So, do you think that it would be racism is why that they are shot for longer or what tasered for longer? What's I don't even know what the word is. I think if you look at what's happening in medicine when they talk about uh, black be- people being uh, underserved in the uh, medical profession, it's because there's this idea that we have a higher pain threshold, which a lot of the time um, we're not, our pain isn't responded to as quickly as it would be when it comes to white patients not giving proper proper medication, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, mm, let, let's get to the, the one thing that I want to talk about is actually giving people- What do you want to talk about? This story. This, uh, let's go. This story. So, I mean, on the next one. Americans have access to guns. How's that working out? I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how how good this is going. This is not going to work out. I just this this is going to be trial and error after error after error. But hey, did you not? Is it that you don't trust the voluntary police to be using tasers appropriately? I think as soon as you introduce a violent element to any situation, they risk things themselves. So you better be quicker with that taser than that other person is with a knife or a hammer or a gun or what. Do you know what I'm saying? Because as soon as people feel like there's something that could hit them, that's when you strike and that's when you act out. And this could potentially put them in more danger. They say, you know, people who have more access to guns are more likely to die you know, of gun violence. If you were volunteering as a police officer, would you like to be carrying a taser? I would never volunteer as a police officer. Oh, and I mean, taser. You should be a politician. I'd like to. I really, I really, <laughs> really, want, anyway. really want to taser some people. Um, Josh, oh. let's, let's move on to this one. The, not black people. I didn't look at you specifically. I'm like, not black. Oh, OK, well, <laughs> you. you want me to help you stop digging and I'll move on to the yes. next story? <laughs> Gosh, the Independent has... It's a flip side of the same story, really. Yes, you yes. might get to taser people, but it's in lieu of money. Yeah, uh, so Priti Patel has been told that police officers are using food banks uh, and they're struggling to feed their families. And I think this is unbelievable. You know, this whole thing about this is literally defunding of the police where they have frozen um, officers' pay uh, £24,000. Anyone over £24,000 has had their uh, wages capped for a long time. By the way, let's just point out that uh, since 2009, MPs have gone up from 64,000 to 84,000, whereas the new recruits have gone up from 22,000 to 24,000 for the police. So there's obviously a massive hypocrisy here. And because the police can't strike in law, they have much less power to be able to do anything about it. And, um, and the fact is they need to be paid more money. The other thing is that on top of that, they're, they're pretty now making a big deal about... Um, how they're going to be 20,000 new police officers. That sounds great. The fact is, it is not taking us up to the levels that have been lost since 2010, where, think, where, where the funding was cut, or the loss of people uh, during that time, detectives, experienced officers, specialists. 
So we're still not getting back to where we were, even with those 20,000 people. I think it's pretty clear what we need. I think all of us need to get out on our porches at 7 p.m. every Wednesday and just clap. Just ca- <laughs> Let's just clap for the police. And taser people. <laughs> well, at least you've got a hobby. It's good, isn't it? Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Stephen Allen, joined by two comedians who I believe can both cook, although... Uh, with one of those, that is good uh, to have people in fits, probably the comedy rather than the cooking. Uh, for Dana Alexander and Josh Howie, welcome. No, welcome. You've already been here before, but uh, thank you for joining me. Let's move to Wednesday's Telegraph. Dana, monkeypox might be sexually transmitted, which means I'm safe. Uh, monkeypox is spreading in sexual networks. Seven of the, ca- of the viruses that have been recorded so far in England with six in London and yes. one in the northeast. So this virus produces a distinctive rash. So these are just about that big, the bumps, and they're quite predominant, and they often start on the face before they spread across the entire body and including the genitals. And it's also likely to be uh, sexually transmissible before people... It was uh, airborne. It was uh, through through um, lesions. lesions. And, uh, yes, yeah, so now they're finding that this is uh, sexual sexually transmitted. And it seems to be happening right now, and I mean there's only seven cases, uh, with gay or bisexual men. That's So they're telling everybody to take a look out for that. The thing about it is these cases have been linked to somebody who was recent, who had recently traveled to Africa, Nigeria, if I'm not mistaken, and there is no cure and there is a 10% mortality rate. That means one out of 10 people who get this are going to die. So previously, it wasn't thought to be sexually transmitted, but it's transmitted through close contact now, unless I've been yeah. doing it wrong. It's close contact, sexually. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't have to be during the sexual activity you're going to get some lesion rubbing or you're going to... That could happen on a dance floor. I could do, yeah, Dirty Dancing revival. But uh, So I don't know if it's actually through the process itself. Basically, if you're going to do your stuff, wear a mask. I do anyway. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, do you choose to or are you asked to? And be fully... Make sure you're fully clothed. So that's how I do it. And no monkey pox here. Don't hump anybody with a bunch of lesions on their face. I don't know what to say. It's ruined all my fun. (laughs) Um, Wednesday's independent next, Josh. And depending on uh, if you're a COVID denier or not, dogs have been paid off by Bill Gates. Well, this is so uh, sniffer dogs detect coronavirus as effectively as PCR tests. I read about this last year. Why is it? (laughs) Why are they only sort of now? They should be. This could have like sorted out all those PCR tests and all the stuff. Just get some dogs. It takes two weeks to train them up. They, I actually, the, the, the studies I read read they were more. Uh, like uh, accurate than the PCR test, but 90, PCR tests are ninety eight percent accurate in this study that involved um, a couple of three hundred people. So then it basically worked out to be pretty much exactly the same as that. And obviously, it's going to be far cheaper way to do it. So stick them out. Um, it's a bit like Terminator, unfortunately. People, <laughs> I don't know if you, you've seen Terminator. They know not. Yes, I have. Okay. I don't, you're just looking at me like no, I'm I the worst thing I, ever. I was th- No, I was just thinking of... No, I was, I was okay. thinking of the story. I thought I'd say... Oh, yeah, well, so it's... Um, I, and then the good thing is that I might get sort of... I'm going to get, like, COVID deliberately and then hide a lot of cocaine up my bottom. OK. It's like a distraction. So they'll think, think I've got... They'll think I've got COVID and they're barking at me, but really they're barking at all the... Is it the same dogs? Because just because it's a working dog, I think they might have bomb dogs, drug dogs, COVID dogs, guide dogs. I you think your dogs. if you think it's just one, then it's Why gonna... not? Why can't they can multitask? Don't be doggist. They can do it all. 
I mean, it, w it would be better to be sniffed than have to have the thing crammed down your tonsils. Yes, it would, but it's a little too, li too little too late, I think. We're passing the pandemic right now, and it's kind of like giving somebody a new DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dogs also the future, uh, as we see in the Times, Dana. Uh, they are good for stress, unless I suppose they're telling you that you've got COVID. Yeah, so dogs help relieve exam stress for A-level pupils. What about B and C-level pupils, anyways? <laughs> Molly Cronham of Brighton Girls says that Pip helps to calm pupils' nerves while they revise. I think that's also a good way to get the dog to eat your homework if you don't want to get your work done. Pupils at girls' school are being given a little bit of extra help with their exams this year thanks to a special friend. Well, this is definitely a Brighton project, isn't it? Could you yeah, just... <laughs> Brighton, Brighton girls. A lot of A-level students have never actually had taken an exam ever, which is which is kind of mad when you think about it. But there's obviously some real risks of cheating, you know, writing the answers on the dog's tongue. We're <laughs> just asking the dog, what yeah. are you... <laughs> Two barks. For... I mean, when I first read this story, I did think it's one of those, like, it's a middle-class thing, isn't it? Where at the school I went to, we wouldn't have been allowed dogs, and if it was, it would have had to wear a muzzle all the way through it because... Mansfield's an interesting area. but um, We had our own ponies. Cool. That's the difference. That's the difference between, you, between the north and the south. But actually, they do calm you down, animals. So mm -hmm. why not have school dogs? And what's wrong with a little bit of stress? Welcome to life. <laughs> uh, you know gosh, I mean? mate. Hey, that's what chests are. They're a bit of stress. We get, oh, I need to relax. No, girl, it's a test. Stress out. It's 45 minutes of your year. You know what I mean? Oh. Um, to the Times, Josh, and uh, one schoolgirl needs to de-stress. Better get that dog stamped. Oh, here we go. I sense a TED talk from Dana's uh, previous talk. So, yeah, this is in the Times. J.K. Rowling, um, one of my heroes, uh, defends uh, this girl. Uh, I don't know if anybody read the previous story that's happened over the last 24 hours. This a school, uh, this girl was driven out of school, essentially, for having uh, gender-critical views. Uh, the story is that they had a speaker, someone come from the House of Lords, to give a talk. And during that talk, suggested that um, that gender uh, gender was basically more important to define women than sex, than biology. And this pupil, this uh, 17, 18-year-old pupil, said, you know, questioned that and said, I don't agree with that. When And then they had a sort of... Dis but, but the point is they had talked afterwards, everything was amicable. But when this girl, uh, young woman, got back to school, she was attacked by 60 of the, it's an all-girls school, 60 of the fellow students who spat at her. She had, a, she had to, like, escape from them, had a panic attack. And then, uh, and the way that she was then treated even after that fact was disgusting. They, they said that anything, if she said anything controversial, they would have to teach, she'd have to go straight to the library. She had to have all of her lunches. You know, she was totally ostracised by all the people in school bullied, all these accusations of transphobia, which she were just un, totally unfounded. The teachers did not back her up. Uh, and then, so not, not only is this uh, report this, that's come out, and she didn't get to take her A-levels that year, she had to be, leave the school eventually um, and be homeschooled. And, one of the, and a teacher at the school has come forward to basically back up at everything that, 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 that she said. And basically he said, this teacher said he's never seen anything like it. It was like a sort of witch trial. Uh, and J.K. Rowling has come out to defend her. Not only J.K. Rowling, a huge amount of people online today. Uh, you know, this just shows that you cannot, what, you can't say or think anything different. All she said was, "Sex is real," and that was enough to, you know, totally derail her life. Is that all she said? That's all she said. How come they thing? didn't say that specifically within this article? Oh, because this is like the follow-up article to the, to oh, okay. the, to the initial thing. And um, well. 
But to can that I... point, though, even if even if you think she is wrong in her opinion, mm -hmm. people having wrong opinions shouldn't be handed out at school. Well, what if someone's opinion was that I'm not fully human and that was the actual reality when we look at places like United no, States? Not... No, no, yeah. just hear me, though. You know, some, somebody might come out and say, well, according to the law, you're only three-fifths human. I mean, the, the, you know, we talk about these things. You're talking about people's humanity, and I think we have to treat it with a little bit of sensitivity. Um, I'd be interested well, to... I'd be interested to see exactly what she said, because it doesn't seem plausible that okay. 60 students are going to be that enraged to a point where they're attacking her and spitting in her face if she just said... Okay. Sex is real. But basically, no, no, like... no, no disrespect to you, Dana, because I do love you and we are friends. Mm -hmm. But I believe that is naivety on your behalf, mm -hmm. not knowing the full, the, the, how toxic this subject is, and having children myself. Not saying that you mm -hmm. know, but how forced this issue has been on our youth, the group think that goes along with it, the pressures that go along with it, and and the fever pitch, um, sort of, you know, you have nine thousand percent. It's gone up. Uh, young women becoming trans in this country over the last few years, it's um, its not healthy. And it's not just in schools, it's in academia. You've got uh, professors being hounded out of their jobs. It's toxic everywhere. And that has moved, and this is what J.K. Rowling was saying, not just from academia, but now down to students in school. And I say to my son, mate, don't write anything, don't say anything, because it's a scary time out there for these young people. You and better probably, just follow the line. It's probably an even, even scarier time for trans people. Well, they say that, except for the fact I haven't seen anywhere about a trans person being hounded out of the school. What I'm seeing here is no, about someone be, saying that sex is binary. But it doesn't... It doesn't. It seems like you're trying to find a moral equivalency, equivalency yeah. in working out who has the worst time. If two people, two groups of people have a bad time, solutions can be found for both. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then on top of that, well, trying to find this moral equivalency is... Uh, Guardian writer, um, I, would say, I wouldn't say journalist, but um, what's trending today is Owen Jones is a bully because he went on line and said, well, uh, we need to find out if this story is actually true. And he's basically like trying to get his one million plus followers um, to find this this 18 year old girl. And it's like it's, it's just it's just wrong. Whatever she might have said. And she just basically said sex is real. Well, Binary sex is important is whatever she said, she does not deserve to be spat on. Whatever she said. Talk it through, disagree with her. No one deserves all to of be that. spat on. Yeah. So we found some common ground. Sure. Beautiful. Also, I did notice you pulled the old as a parent trait. I wonder why you had so many kids. There that it is. is. I, could, uh, I win every argument. <laughs> uh, let's move to The Guardian next, Dana. And the problem uh, of most crash test dummies being men. So, yes, uh, and that is what's happening um, when it comes to women being able to uh, pull themselves out of uh, crashes. So 16% of women who are trapped in uh, vehicles that have crashed uh, are able to escape, or sorry, are unable to escape versus 9% of men. So women are almost twice as likely as men to become trapped in a motor vehicle after a crash, and they also sustain different patterns of industry, or sorry, of in injury data suggests. So this is due to a lot of things. I think one of them was how close women sit to the steering wheel. So when this does happen, it makes it a little bit di more difficult for them to eject themselves. And also, I guess the way that the cars are designed, they were not really taking women into account and the, the dummies were actually designed after men. Yeah, isn't that, that's the main one, isn't it? They, they used average men rather than average people. Well, look, as a parent... <laughs> uh, I would just like to say 
But yes, uh, it's, this, is, this is in The Guardian. There's a brilliant book called Invisible Women, which basically is, it basically is argued, because a lot of these engineers uh, originally and are men, and who aren't necessarily considering the different body types that have the different sociological reasons or all the different factors that are going in. So there are going to be different in- injuries, like women hurting their pelvises more. Uh, and this stuff now needs to be factored in. What's and the int- types of crashes. And the types of crashes as well. What's interesting is, in this Guardian article, they talk about um, needing to investigate their impact on women. And um, I know it's just in that article, I just don't think I've ever seen women are almost twice as likely as men. I just haven't seen The Guardian write the word women for quite a long time. So it's quite nice. Mm. So I'm just saying that it just now, when it comes to this kind of stuff and biological stuff, suddenly it becomes an important characteristic. Surely we're just looking at the average shape of people. So actually, you don't no, need to. Of, we women. also have to no, look at how much upper body strength women. that we have as well, right? Like, I remember my mother at one point, I don't know why she wanted to do this. She wanted to join the police force and she couldn't do it because she literally could not get her body up over that bar, you know? Being able to pull yourself and push yourself out of a vehicle, like, you know, I'm not exactly the tiniest woman, but look at my arms, they're nothing. Look at the size of my body, I'm not, I'm dead. But a a lot (laughs) of what happens in a car crash, we're talking forces bigger than than the human body. Sure, but if you have to push, if 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 you're crushed from below and you have to get out, it's much, I think it's much easier for men to do that. Yeah, and men, we can just escape, which is great. Welcome back to Headliners. I'm Stephen Allen, joined tonight by the best newspaper reviewers you'll find on this show tonight, Dana Alexander and Josh Howey. Let's move now to Wednesday's Daily Mail. Next, Josh. And someone's been having a pop at Joe Biden and not just about his age this time. It's almost original, this. Yeah. Uh, so, it, well, it, first of all, it's nice to know that Elon Musk is a fan of, uh, of, of Anchorman, which is a great movie. So that's kind of cool. That humanises him a little bit. But basically, he sort of said that... uh, Now, I don't know if Elon Musk is quite witty or insightful or if he just hires a lot of people (laughs) who sort of... To make him look like that. He's rich enough, obviously, to have a whole team of writers, unlike this show. Anyway, but... uh, (laughs) But the thing is... uh, So he said that, yes, the real president is the person who operates the teleprompter, uh, alluding to uh, Joe Biden basically just reading whatever is, is said. So that is quite witty, and it probably has a little bit of... Uh, truth to it as well. What's also interesting, he's basically said uh, that he's always been a big supporter of the Democrats, um, but he does a, a really nice thing where he, uh, not nice, but he, he basically says Democrats are now basically overly controlled by the unions and their trial lawyers and Republicans are influenced by corporate evil and religious zealotry. I think he sort of, I, I don't know, I kind of go along with some of that. It sounds pretty good. Mm. Like he's got it sussed out. He, th- he does say some insightful stuff uh, on there. Also, another thing, just so we're, um, he's basically, because he's still, you know, he's buying, trying to buy Twitter at the moment. Um, he's saying, that Twitter is saying that 5% of their users are bots. He's saying it's 20% or more. And so they're having a big argument because he wants to see proof that it's 5%. But if there's 20% of, of Twitter users are bots, that means that um, like 5% of, five, five, I've got five followers that are bots. Yeah, that's Out not of good the news. Out of 25, I think it is, something like that. You can't afford to lose those bots, is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't, want to, go, I don't, I don't want to go down to 20 people. 
Yeah. I like my 25 people. So Point in tweeting then. I mean, is this story shocking that a billionaire doesn't like unions? That's one of the things in there. Well, that's not shocking. I think what, and I've said this before on this show, I think he's hedging his bets. You know, I think as soon as he said he was going to buy it, then he wasn't going to buy it. You can see these stocks rise and fall with every breath or sentence that he puts on to Twitter with his, what is it, 89 million followers or something like that. I can't remember, but it depends on the bots. Depends on the bots, doesn't it? So um, I think what was more interesting is that he actually was um, saying that if it was a Trump presidency, that they could get more done. Mm. Ooh, do we really want more done right now? I mean, we could be in the middle of World War Three. Well, that's be nice? true. But I think he was arguing about the people actually running the government, the efficiency of the government, maybe than Trump himself. I think he specifically said forgetting Trump, the people who are actually getting stuff done. Well, we're still waiting on that wall, aren't we? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I personally hate the idea of anyone just reading blindly from an autocue, especially here, because the people who write the autocue are idiots. So, I'm a big smelly man who still has bros, uh, bros posters on my wall. To the next one. It's <laughs> a good joke, mate. I did see it. Boom. It was good. It was good. Make sure we all Do it knew, again. Do it again. We Come all on. knew what was going to happen. <laughs> Times now, Dana. And a financial question over the BLM founder. Oh, my gosh. This is such a devastating story for me to uh, talk about. So newly released tax filings revealed how Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Coulours had used charity funds to pay her friends and family large sums for various consulting services as well as a as well as charter a private flight. So these documents reveal that Black Black Lives Matter had paid a company owned by Damon Turner, the father of Cooler's child, nearly $970,000 to help produce live events and provide other creative services. Uh, and not just that, her brother received $840,000 yep. for security. Of course, this is on top of, we were talking the other day, the $6 million uh, house that they have that's got a swimming pool uh, that's that and uh, also uh, one of the, the board secretary who's the uh, deputy executive director received more than uh, 2.1 million mm-hmm. uh, I mean so they, they got 90,000 uh, sorry 90 million dollars in donations um, in 2020 because of what happened they spent 37 million of it mm-hmm. and it seems like a good chunk of that has just been wasted because the house thing, you can make an argument that if you're going to have money sitting in a bank for long enough, you might as well keep it invested yeah. as mm-hmm. long as, you know, and property is not a bad investment, but cons- consultation fees, less of a good investment. No, exactly. She's not, I don't believe she's involved anymore, like she's had to hand it over. But this was the first time that the that, that Black Lives Matter organisation has had to file tax returns because as, as a charity status. So this is the first time that people are getting to actually look into what they've spent their money on. And it just doesn't look good. And that money was raised in good faith could have gone to, it seems like a huge amount of it's been wasted. Uh, and it's a shame because there, you know, there were lots of people who really felt invested in, in that cause. And there were a lot of people at the time going, look, the, the actual cause itself is great, but we have to look deeper at the actual organisation because they did have some very dodgy sort of, uh, belie- you know, Marxist beliefs on their website initially and the same in the UK one. And it's a shame that that kind of overtakes the message, I guess. It is a real shame, but I think if we talk about charities in general, I'm sure that you remember the charity by, was it Sir Tom? I think it was his daughter who was trying to pay herself, what was it, 320,000 for the year or whatever it was. So let's talk about charities and how they use funds in general. I'm always very surprised when you see charities that have buildings in prime real, like right downtown. How much of the money that you're spending in a lot of these charities 
actually go to where they're supposed to go. There's so many charities that have operating costs of 60% oh, sure. and above, right? So I think it's a good time for us to talk just about how much, how charitable funds are uh, used And also to overall. talk about how this person was super dodge. And, and, <laughs> and, and we have. Yeah, yeah, we have. We did, yeah. Yeah. We did. Uh, to the Independent next, Josh. And more well, people are seeing UFOs. <laughs> Surely any alien in the right mind wouldn't come here now. This is this is kind of amazing. This was the first uh, sort of official before the go- American government meeting or whatever in 50 years or something. And they've and basically the Air Force has admitted that there's at least 130 UFO sightings since 2004 that cannot be explained uh, and were not tricks of the light or sensors or anything like that. So pro- 140 proper unidentified flying objects. Which fall into five categories. That's airborne clutter, uh, national atmospheric phenomena, uh, U.S. industry development programs, foreign adversaries, or others. So, yeah, so uh, a UFO, of course, is an unidentified flying object. So if I were to projectile send a hamster and drag into the air, could you identify it? Well, as long as it identified itself, it would be... That was the joke. Oh, oh sorry. sorry, let's get back to that auto cue joke. That was a good one. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the story reads like we've found aliens, and it's not. I mean, of well, course, I there don't are know. unidentified I think flying sort of, objects. If exactly. You can't identify them, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I think that that it's sort of saying that there are proper UFOs. That's what it's saying. I mean, or they, or they certainly are. They are unidentified. They're not saying that they're yeah. space. Exactly. Well, that's, ex- that's the problem that happens with conspiracy. Is the connotation is that it's a spacecraft? The, the lack of evidence gets treated as evidence of the thing you'd like to project onto it. We don't know what they are. Oh, therefore they must be the thing I think they are. Oh, I think they're spacecraft. Me and Robbie Williams. <laughs> yeah. I saw a shooting star. I never saw it in my life. I didn't know what the, I didn't, it was. Unidentifiable to me. It was my career. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you know, uh, what's the most sensational way of looking at this story? Um, the Daily Star, someone confessed to shooting JFK. Oh, wow. So Woody Harrelson's dad was the hitman who murdered a judge and claimed that he had assassinated JFK. So his dad, Charles Void Harrelson, was a career criminal who died in prison while serving two consecutive life sentences for murdering a, ju- a judge in a contract killing. Um, so the F- it's important for us right off the top, the FBI completely discounts this claim. I mean, you got you got you got to impress the, people. What inside. You got to impress people in jail. You know, you know what I did. <laughs> <laughs> don't think it's impressive that his son was Woody Harrelson. Wouldn't that be enough? Oh, like, that you're like a, oh, that's a, deadbeat, not a deadbeat dad to Woody Har- Harrelson? You think that, like, that's... I, I met him once when he was six, and then they sent me away for two consecutive life sentences. So you're telling me he didn't shoot JFK? Just so I'm clear on this story. He didn't. According to the FBI, the but, claim has been completely UFOs discounted. do exist. <laughs> yeah. But, and I'll, re- do, I'll, do, I'll do a UFO yeah. right now. And the reason why this is in the newspapers today is... Um, um, <laughs> totally unexplained in this Based article. <laughs> like, it's not like he just did a podcast and it came. this information came out. It's just like they literally Googled something and just like, right, we filled up that page. Slow news day. Is, uh, yeah, slow news day. But I think what was more interesting is that maybe his dad was a little bit of uh, his uh, muse for his character in, uh, what was it, Natural Born Killers. All right. Yeah. I wonder which film you're going to pick there. I was thinking Venom 2. <laughs> oh, um, Josh, the you're telegraph. actually admitting to watch that. <laughs> I've watched That's that. Terrifying. Uh, the, uh, it's terrifying. It's, it's yeah. kind of Marvel, even though it's Sony. Um, Josh, the Telegraph focuses on the mighty crisp sandwich. It is a snack and a meal. 
It's, amazing. It's, it's the best of both possible worlds here. And The Telegraph just doing some fine journalism here. Well done. <laughs> I mean, they're finding it very tricky since Boris is no longer doing a column uh, to fill up that space. And uh, they found out the poll. Now, I don't know if I believe this or not, but they're saying it says so Telegraph, it has to be true, that Britain, uh, British people consume one of these every 10 days, a crisp sandwich. Right. Every I, I 10 days. I've never even heard of one until today, so I, you know I'm not British. Well, okay. <laughs> Is this what y'all are eating? That's the only definition that counts. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, get that, get that blue pasta. You've never had a crisp sandwich? No! I mean, even when I saw a fish finger sandwich, I'm like... No, For eleven no. pounds, this is cr- this is no, what single right. mothers no, you, feed their no, children when they're in poverty. You shouldn't be dropping eleven quid on a fish finger sandwich. <laughs> Make one at home. Don't go to those fancy places. Yeah. But get some thick white bread. A regular pub across from Victoria Station. That's how much a fish finger sandwich. No, again, is. that said, across from Victoria Station, try the North. Two quid, two pound fifty. Oh, I know. Trust me, there's a lot of stuff up North on sale. But also, too, if you want a crispy sandwich, get a taco. Get a taco. Right. That is literally a crisp. With the filling inside, you no, don't have to. No, 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 no. Get a white, get some white bread. Get some nice sort of ready salted crisps. Maybe put a bit of butter on it as well. And ketchup. Aren't you like ketchup? Yeah. What? what are you talking about? You don't treat me like I'm Galileo, and all of a sudden I'm the heretic. Try tomato ketchup on your crisp sandwich. Okay, let's all right, get back. Eliza Doolittle over here. <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to that trans stuff. <laughs> it's, it's less controversial. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday's Metro Dana features uh, a garden filled with so much rubbish you can see it from space. I told you aliens would not come here. This is insane. So a tenant's rat infested... David, David Tennant. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, Lord. Tenant's rat infested garden had so much rubbish that you could actually see it from Google Earth. The couple wants action to clear their neighbour's cesspit garden, which has a mound of trash that is visible in uh, satellite imagery. Come on now, it's time. You heard of the Pied Piper. You heard about the Pied Piper. Yeah. It's time for the Pied Sniper. Ooh, Ooh. nice. I know. Is this story not awesome? (laughs) Another reading of this story is neighbours are so annoyed that they go on Google Earth to try and see what it looks like. Look at it. Look at it. You can see it from Google Earth. I'm sorry. If you want to keep your yard like that and I can see a rat from my window, I'm going to knock on your door and we're probably going to get in a fight. Ooh, yeah. For real. You can't have that now. Come on now. You know, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. We have like a... Every every house is attached in England, right? This Victorian-style housing. Anyways, I remember hearing the people next door complain about a mouse, and I was just like, no! Because as soon as one person gets it, it's everybody gets it. I'm sorry, I'm I'm Albertan, which is, I don't know if you know anything about Alberta, but it's the largest rat-free landmass in the world. I never saw a rat until I was 18 years old. I said, what happened to that kitten? Oh my, God. and then when I found out it was a rat, I almost fainted. <laughs> you cannot live next to me wow, with a garden a of rats. rats. Yes, I do. Wow. I certainly do. That's cute. And you should too. <laughs> it's not cute. They're disgusting. Oh, they're just oh. No, no pets. Just, even no. just getting hives just thinking they're of that. <laughs> Like a big mouse, but with a hairless tail. Just a big, long, skinny tail. Is this a joke? Float. No, that's Is true. this a northern joke? What? <laughs> <laughs> Everything I say is all about. Uh, the Mirror next, Josh. And as an, the owner of a two-month-old baby... Seeing people moan about their quality of sleep is winding me right up. Oh, can people not sleep well? Yeah. As a parent, I find this article very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, the mirror, millions of adults are losing sleep because uh, of the temperature 
and a snoring partner. These are that's me. That's, you're the snorer, are you? Oh, so bad. I'm I try to I'm trying away the rats. He sends me videos I'm, of I'm, me snoring in the middle of the night, and I'm like, don't ever send that to me. I'm again. trying to pretend that I didn't know that. <laughs> you did oh, it. You snore. You did it. But um, so, 2,000 adults. A study of 2,000 adults that, uh, found that 60% currently feel deprived of a good night's sleep. I'm surprised it's not more than that. Everybody I know uh, is just exhausted all the time. 5% of people get the required eight hours sleep. What I really love about this whole article is they mention uh, sleep brand Silent Night about a thousand times (laughs) (laughs) and coming to the conclusions that maybe you need to get a new mattress I or or, 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 or yeah. a two-bedroom flat. That's what's yeah. keeping oh, my relationship together. Oh, really? You've yeah, like we, we, no, no, no. We we start in the same bed. Yeah. And then I get crazy. <laughs> and he sure. just can't who handle moves? it. Sorry, who moves? Is did he go to the spare? Or you go to the spare? He'll go to the spare. I'll go to the spare. I'll follow him to the spare. He'll go back to his room. So we play like a musical beds all night. He's gonna put a lock on one of those. Because I like a cuddle. That's why Woody Allen moves across the park. <laughs> With his own. But by the way, 26% of people uh, have more than one pillow. Yeah. Yeah, I have four. You, but like you use them at the yeah. same time. One in my knees, two on my head. Two in my knees, two on my head. Wow. Okay. You? No, I'm a two pillow guy sometimes, um, but all on my head. God, this the whole like crisp sandwich, like yeah. ketchup. Now I the put pillows. ketchup on the pillows. I feel oh my, I feel more. very weird. Um, <laughs> Daily Star now, Dana, and as the owner of a two-month-old baby, uh, it turns out you can sell breast milk, so I need to call my dealer the wife after this. Oh, wow. So a mum is selling 113 litres of her own breast milk to cash in on the formula shortage. Let's talk about the cost of living crisis. So, yes, I I don't know if you guys have ever read John Steinbeck's uh, Grapes of Wrath. Yes, the ending. That's how, that's the ending. (laughs) That's the ending. They were so, there was, during the Depression and the Joad families making their way across America to California. And this man is literally starving. And the woman because we did this play in my high school, had to breastfeed a grown man. I mean, ADP for an ounce, though, hey. I mean, there's a lot in my fridge right now, and I know it's not mine. Do you ever drink the wrong one? Did you ever taste it? No, I actually don't have milk anyway, so that's I'm free of it. Because there's no normal milk in the house. There's oat milk or whatever the missus has. No, I'm northern. I think I've mentioned that. Fake milk, no, but the fact that there is breast milk in there, every so often I'm tempted to put have it in you noticed, why the is there DeLonghi. like 40 bottles of milk in the fridge here? No. It's so weird. Is, Any of them this breast milk? GB News. Yeah. We like our milk. Fresh. <laughs> so odd, and it's in those glass bottles like in the movies. Because we're doing very well, this channel. <laughs> They're all the ones that Mrs. Thatcher took from the kids. They ended up there. That's mm. probably the story. Um, finally, to the Metro, Josh, and a shoplifter who is a flight risk. Stephen Seagull. Stephen Seagull. Oh! Oh, put that on the the auto cue. He's here on night. Stephen Seagull has been stealing crisps from Tesco's. We were talking last night about Monster Munch, and, of course, that is what he goes for, Monster Munch. They're super-duper expensive. He's stealing £300 of crisps a year. You know, this is um, undocumented. As yeah, well. exactly. And this sounds is, like a job for Pretty Patel. Get him. In, in <laughs> it could be that the people working in Tesco's might be like, "Oh, why are we down three hundred pounds worth of Monster Munch?" And and they're like, "Oh, this seagull keeps on coming in <laughs> and stealing them." 
I'm just saying, look but, into it. Uh, I mean, have you seen seagulls these days? He says, sounding like an old man. They are huge. They were never that size when I was growing up. Yeah, because they, they eat mini cheddars. They look yeah, like bouncers, it's true. They would beat do you me know, in a fight. Do you know what would work? Is if they changed their uniform at the shop and they dressed as even bigger seagulls. <laughs> oh, yeah, seagulls don't. <laughs> that would work. Seagulls. Could you imagine they come into the store and you just see, like, remember Cat Dad? Anybody just check out Cat Dad, the guy who puts, like, the mask on of the, as a cat and scares his cats to death. It's like this giant cat. I would go for, who was the comedian who used to pretend to sit on a big ostrich thing? Emu. No, Emu was Rod oh, Hull. Okay. Big Burn. There's more than one? Yeah. I mean, no, no, the, the 70s was a sparse time for entertainment. That would work. That would you be one. That would. Or they could just suck up those losses. But 300 quid, I mean, uh, it'll get worse next yeah, year. Yeah, Tesco, what are they going to do? Everything's going to cost more there next year. This will be a 500 quid loss. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true. He's... Or they could just shoot the seagull. No, I don't know. Oh, I think I... It if happens. If you do know who that seagull is, please uh, get in touch. I'd like to ask him to uh, get me some food. Or tase the seagull. Bernie Clifton. Okay. No ref. No one. No, no. The reference. Good. Nope. Is he from and the north? Turn into old man in a We'll talk about over Chris, Chris sandwiches after this uh, show. That's the way forward. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thank you to my guests Dana Alexander and Josh Howie. They're on the same time tomorrow. See you then. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.